2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we'll be this afternoon. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, as a parent, you're always trying to come up with interesting ways to uh, teach your children these various concepts. And there was one mother that gave her daughter a quarter and a dollar bill before church. And she told her daughter, you put whichever one you want into the offering plate and you keep the other for yourself. When they were coming out of church after the service, the mother asked her daughter which amount she had given. And the little girl said, well, I was going to give the dollar. But just before the offering, the man in the pulpit said that we ought to be cheerful givers. And I knew I'd be more cheerful if I gave the quarter. So I did. We're going to be talking about this afternoon just uh, briefly, finding joy in giving. Finding joy in giving. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 15, is where we discover a lot uh, about what our giving should look like. And so look at verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9 and follow along with me. It says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever." Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Verse 7 in particular is what we're going to focus on this afternoon, where it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And I'd like to just make several brief observations about verse 7. Notice, because of what verse 7 says, we discover that giving is an individual process. It's an individual process. And not only is it an individual process, it's a personal matter. We talked about this a little bit already this morning, but it is a personal matter. It says there in verse 7, every man, every man, each and every individual Christian is to be a giver. This is not something that, well, some people are gifted for this and some people aren't, so they don't have to. There is a spiritual gift of giving, but all disciples of Jesus Christ are commanded to give. Every single person in this room falls into this category of every man. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart. Everyone is expected by God to be giving to the church in some way. Everyone has an obligation to fulfill 
according to, to the, the verses here, but it also tells us there's a way in which we can fulfill this obligation with joy. If you're not giving, then you're neglecting something that God has called each and every one of us to. And you're missing out on a source of Christian joy. Study all throughout the New Testament in particular, and you'll find that giving is not only a personal matter, but it's a principled matter. It's a principled matter. There are so many promises in the Word of God that apply to those that apply their faith to their finances and are givers. Luke 6, verse 38, Jesus says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. We, uh, you know, because, because we're so rich, we buy cereal in bags. Is anybody else familiar with that? In the big bags, right? Because that's where you get the, uh, the best, the cheapest price per ounce. Not the name brands either. They, they have to come up with strange names to compete with the name brands. But we buy our cereal in big bags and we put it in smaller uh, containers that the kids can use. And when I'm pouring out of that big bag, I'm slamming that container on the table and I'm shaking it every which way, trying to get as much in that thing as possible. God says in his word in several different ways, Luke 6 verse 38, just being one example of it, is that he will be more generous with us than we are with him. He's a better giver than we are. If we give, it shall be given unto us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He's very, very good at filling and overflowing our cup. It's a principled matter. There are so many promises to the Christian that's a giver. It's an individual process for each and every single one of us. And notice there's also an inward purpose involved in giving. This is something that I think, like I say, I can't say this for sure, but this is something that I think in my own experience is where most American Christians fall short. It is an inward purpose. First of all, it's a conscious arrangement. It's a conscious arrangement. It says in verse 7, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. That word purposeth there is the word that means to predetermine. To come to a decision beforehand. To decide ahead of time. This is why I can stand up behind the pulpit and say that every single one of us in this room ought to make a prayerful commitment before God how we intend to give this year. Because the scripture does not say that as you feel like giving in the moment, so let them give. But every man, as he predetermines and decides ahead of time in his heart, so let him give. It's a purposeful and conscious arrangement. You're supposed to make a decision ahead of time. You're supposed to know exactly how much you intend to give and desire to give before the Lord. You're supposed to have a commitment in mind. J. Vernon McGee once said, I have heard people say that they will not sign any pledge, not even to give a certain amount of money because they might not be able to fulfill it. May I say to you, if you buy a house or anything on which you are to make payments, they are certainly going to make you sign on the dotted line. I don't know why people can sign up for everything else in life, 
but they are afraid to sign up with God. My friend, if you mean it, sign up with him. Oh, how many folk have failed him, but he is gracious. If we mean business with him, he means business with us. It is something that you are to purpose in your heart ahead of time, a conscious arrangement. And then it's to be a completed arrangement. It's to be a completed arrangement. Every man, according as he decides ahead of time in his heart, so let him give. Paul says, make the decision, make the commitment, and then fulfill it. See it through. Trust God to enable you to keep that commitment. This might mean, and my, can I meddle just for a little bit? This might mean set up automatic payments at the bank. This might mean use the online system and do the same thing. If you're like me, oftentimes you forget to write the check and you've got to catch up sometimes. This could be as practical as going and setting it up ahead of time that it's going to come out. Say, well, you know, then I don't write the check and then it's not as purposeful. No, no, no. Every man decides ahead of time how much he will give. God loves a cheerful giver. I think many are here and there with their giving. And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, if you were to really sit down and look at giving in the American church, you'll discover that far fewer give than even think that give. Most people say, oh yeah, I give, I give to the church. And then if they were to do the math, they discover that actually they really don't. It's supposed to be a conscious, a conscious arrangement that you complete you need to, in your own personal walk with the Lord, you need to put yourself under a spiritual contract and then fulfill it. Purpose in your heart to be a giver and then give. That word points to a settled decision to contribute a certain amount to the collection, whether on a regular basis or in a singular gift. It's a private decision, not public, and it was to be purposeful, excuse me, not impulsive. Some of you missed this illustration, but I shared this morning, being a pastor for eight years up north, a missionary would come in. The missionary would give their missionary presentation. And as a pastor, oh, it, I always winced a little bit when I got up at the end of the service and say, you know what? We need to take up a special offering for this missionary. We need to be a blessing to them. And the reason I would wince before doing that is because to the dollar, the offering was short, the amount that the missionary received every single time. To the dollar. And I knew, well, if I collect, if I collect for Dean Kirshner this week, the church budget's going to suffer. I believe that's because most Christians don't have a conscious arrangement with the Lord how they intend to give. And if there's a need, well, you know, I'd rather give that to Dean Kirshner this week. And it's impulsive. It's emotional. It's not purposeful. There's supposed to be an inward purpose. You decide ahead of time how you will give, and then you see that through. It's right there in verse 7. And then it's a, notice the improper philosophy that Paul exposes here. The improper philosophy he exposes the wrong mood. The wrong mood. He says not 
grudgingly. The word grudgingly means it causes you pain. Ouch. (laughs) When you write the check, ouch. It causes you grief or sorrow or affliction. In this context, it means reluctantly. If we cannot give joyfully, as one author wrote, then we must open our hearts to the Lord and ask Him to give us His grace. Certainly, God can bless a gift that is given out of sense of duty, but God cannot bless the giver unless His heart is right. Grace-giving means that God blesses the giver as well as the gift, and that the giver is a blessing to others. It should not cause you pain to give. It shouldn't be done grudgingly. It shouldn't be done done with the wrong motive. He says, not grudgingly, not of necessity. You shouldn't be giving because of constraint. You shouldn't be giving because of any pressure of any kind. No one should be forcing you or compelling you to give. You should not be giving out of some idea that you have to, but rather out of the heartfelt desire that you want to. I've been a pastor long enough to see it firsthand. God can do His work without your money. You shouldn't be giving because you have to. You should be giving because you want to. Scripture assumes that what is crucial is the attitude of the one who gives, not the amount. God knows and sees our hearts. And He values only the gifts that come as a free expression of the deepest part of our souls. Gifts given under some sense of external compulsion will always be half-hearted at best. That is why the amount makes no difference if it is given with a glad heart. But if it's given resentfully or with a gloomy countenance, that attitude cancels any merit the gift might have, no matter its amount. Notice we're not supposed to be sad givers. Or mad givers, we're supposed to be glad givers. You shouldn't be giving even though it hurts. You shouldn't be giving because the pastors or the elders say you ought to give. You should be giving because it gives you joy to give to the Lord. It gives you joy to give to the ministry and to His work. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. And then notice not only does he expose the improper philosophy, but he gives us an impelling principle. There's a very big why here that we should be glad givers. It says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It always kind of piques my attention in my Bible reading when I find things that give God pleasure. God loveth a cheerful giver. We find that cheerful giving, giving done properly, we find it eliciting His affection. His affection. He loveth. That means He cherishes or has affection for or delights in or is fond of. God is fond of cheerful givers. Cheerful there means to be glad and happy. It's one who gives gladly without any reluctance. You could use the word merry there. The root word there is the same word we get our word hilarious from. This is a happy, excited giver. This is a cheerful giver. 
Charles Spurgeon said that a man who gives to God cheerfully is like the dear child so pleased to give its father what it can, places its little offering into the father's treasury as much as possible unobserved of men, beholds the father's smile, and goes his way rejoicing. Cheerful givers elicit the affection of God. He loves a cheerful giver. And when we are cheerful givers, we are also emulating his attributes. We're emulating his attributes. As we talked about this morning, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's how Paul ends his teaching on giving. He's outgiven us all. John 3.16, as we quoted this morning, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because He Himself is a cheerful giver. It pleased God to wound Christ on our behalf so that He could pour out His grace and His mercy on us. When we are cheerful givers, we are emulating our Heavenly Father. And He's outgiven all of us. One of my uh, favorite examples of a cheerful giver I, is... Uh, the, the man is with the Lord now. I was sharing this illustration in the kitchen, so I'll share it for everybody to hear. There was a couple in our church, elderly, quite elderly, and they had saved up and done well, and so they had reserved a spot for themselves in a very nice retirement home. Very nice. One of those, might as well live in a, you're living in a hotel. Got a nice condo with, your, your own kitchen, everything, but also there's a dining room with a crystal chandelier and chefs all dressed up and you get to go down there and eat. And part of that process was they would choose their meal plan and they would pay for the amount of meals that they spent in the dining room. And this couple already gave over $1,000 a month to the church. And one Sunday, after I had been asking for help to support a VBS that summer, because the church didn't have the budget to do it, so I was asking for a special offering. One Sunday, this couple comes up to me and they said, Pastor, we've been praying and we've decided that we are going to have our lunch in our room. And they took the money that they would have taken to spend on that meal plan, and they made their own food so that they could give it to the church. Already giving well over $1,000 a month, but they were so moved by the needs of the church and the needs of the ministry, they got together and prayed and said, how can we give more? I know, I'll cook. And they had the biggest smile on their faces when they told me. That's an example of cheerful giving. And I wonder if each and every one of us in here are finding joy 
in our giving, or if perhaps up until this point we've been giving out of duty or necessity, even grudgingly. But God loves a cheerful giver because it emulates our Heavenly Father. As we gather around this table, what are we commemorating? The fact that God gave us His Son so that we might have eternal life in Him. Is something that all of us can have in our giving. Father, we do thank you for this time in your word. We pray that each and every one of us would examine ourselves in light of this verse, that you would make us purposeful, cheerful givers. Lord, we thank you for sending us your Son, that unspeakable gift. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in light of his sacrifice, that we would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.